Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. This week I'm joined by Blake Fisher. Blake Fisher is the creative director over at R&T Calls located in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Uh, you might remember that one of the earlier podcasts uh, featured John Stevens, the owner of R&T Calls. And pretty much if you've seen a picture of John Stevens uh, in the last 15 years, 20 years, something like that. If you've seen a picture of a call that's come out of the R&T shop or the John Stevens custom calls shop, uh, or you've watched any of the last 18 seasons of R&TV, uh, you're familiar with Blake's work. He does all of the logoing, the photography, the videography for that brand. He does the uh, signage creation like uh even the packaging the boxes everything like that everything associated with the beer brand that they have there at the flying duck tap room blake is you know he's he's not really comfortable calling himself this but i feel very much that you know blake is an artist he's a, a creative uh he's also just like a super super cool guy man i really like this guy's vibe super friendly i've guess I've known him a little bit for last two or three years now and he's just like absolutely a pleasure to be around uh, and I really had a ball having this conversation I got to go down there uh, last week yeah last week and we we probably talked for three hours and hung out and he's just uh, a hell of a guy and a great family man and you know a guy who maybe doesn't get uh, as much credit on the public stage as he's due but he's absolutely uh, and I, I don't think this is an overstatement, but he's absolutely uh, responsible in a really large way for the last couple of decades in kind of controlling or very much influencing, it's probably a better way to say it, influencing one of the most distinctive brands in waterfowling, uh, you know, in waterfowling modernity. Yeah, man, we actually talked about a, quite a bit of stuff. This is a very wide ranging conversation. Uh and I just, I, I dig this guy's vibe, man. He's got like a really kind of cool, a skater, punk rock kind of hippie ethic. And, uh, man, I, I'm just personally like a, I'm a fan of the weirdos, uh, especially in uh, a space that can be as homogenous as waterfowling, especially Southern waterfowling. So, uh, I'd also be remiss, uh, if I didn't mention his better half, Sandra, uh, she makes a brief appearance in this podcast when she was kind enough to bring Blake and I something to drink because we were having such a long conversation. Uh, I think she could anticipate that we needed a, uh, a refill there. But uh, if you're ever there at the Flying Duck Tap Room, Sandra has her own line of snacks called Spicy Mama. And uh, man, they're super good. They're like just very kind of traditional, you know, Southern mom uh, football snack like Chex Mix and... Uh, fancy crackers and 
she was kind enough to give me a bag of the Chex Mix, and I got about an hour drive home from Stuttgart, and I pretty much demolished it on the way back and uh, ate what was left for breakfast. So uh, I highly recommend that if you're there. It goes great with any of the beers they have in the tap room. And I hope so much that you'll enjoy this conversation with Blake Fisher of R&T Calls. Hey, folks, welcome back to the podcast. I am here in Stuttgart, Arkansas, more specifically at R&T Calls, more specifically than that. Uh, I am in John Stevens call shop. If you've ever been down here in the flying duck tap room, you've looked through the windows and seen him working in here, but, uh, I'm not with John today. Today I'm joined by one Blake Fisher. Uh, if you have seen anything on Instagram or the internet involving R and T any sort of signage or, uh, the beer logos, or if you've seen R and T TV, on uh cable over what the last 15 years or so man i want to say 18 years now 18 years i want to say yeah i think this is season 18 coming up well then so in the last two (laughs) decades if you've seen any of that stuff you're familiar with blake's work uh yeah we were kind of talking about before we started here but i mean if someone asks you what you do for a living how do you describe it blake um well like my email says creative director R&T and field producer R&TV. So um, I'm a, I'm just the creative guy at R&T basically and have been for a while now. Um, I just, I will get to wear a lot of different hats and I, I like that. I'm a one man advertising agency in a sense. <laughs> so that means you're doing like, uh, like, am I correct in saying that? Like most of the signage, any sort of logo and stuff, like you're yeah. doing a lot of that design. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, like when John took over in 99, uh, he came to the place where I was working in Little Rock to get a brochure done. And I was the guy that, you know, I, I designed the brochure. That's how we met. And, um, am I mistaken? Didn't like, we had talked about this before, but was Vino's brew pub involved in this? Um, well, it could have been because I worked on um, Ninth and Main downtown Little Rock. Okay, for a pre-pressed color house, and um, Vino's was our Wednesday after work hangout for like ever. Like I'm, I'm talking for a long time every Wednesday. So, um, and usually more than once a week. So, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, John and I have had shared slices and beers at vinos for sure no doubt but like everybody that i was i worked with or other creatives that uh did work for or with in little rock yeah wednesday at vinos is our afternoon hang for sure um but yeah it's going back to meeting john um like so that was i did his first brochure that he ever did and i've done everything since then so we just kind of clicked we we hit it off um became real good friends real fast and um i continued to do freelance work for him um for i don't know for the for two or three years i was you know he had me busy doing the rnt catalogs which is kind of like um i don't know if you've ever seen any of those that we did these slick 
white catalogs with um, close-up photography of all the calls and um, kind of took well kind of took it in a different direction I guess than what you'd normally see in the waterfowl world and I don't guess you were seeing a whole lot it would just be like what you were seeing would probably be the max catalog you know like a bunch of calls is stacked up and you know with the price under them but um we always had a john's always had a real creative vision on how things he wants things to look and he's always given me creative freedom um so we've always worked real well together and um i don't know uh building the brand for the last 22 years that's kind of what i'll take pride in i've helped i've helped build this brand this rnt brand since 2000 and like and specifically like how it's perceived mm-hmm. kind of like the first look that people get at it uh what are you from arkansas originally <clears throat> i am i grew up um grew up like 90 miles west of here um in hot springs county okay so malvern um hot springs i basically grew up close to the Washita river there at rockport um and grew up you know i hunting and fishing but not duck hunting at all um the only ducks we ever shot at were like on a slough off the washington river you know um yeah that's not really duck. no it was yeah so um when and and i was still a big deer hunter when i met john and um once i started working for him full time i mean i didn't have time for that because i was you know filming duck hunts or going on duck hunts and um my first duck i ever killed was the first road trip that i ever been on filming for rnt and it was a blue wing teal in south dakota north dakota north dakota that was my that was my very first duck i ever killed and it was just because after the hunt they're like hey here's a shotgun when we're picking up if something flies by and you want to kill it and there's your gun <laughs> and that's that's how that happened so um yeah duck hunting was, was not my thing just because i you know i didn't grow up doing that when so when you first started working for r&t were you already doing photography and videography or were you mostly doing like print stuff and digital design or what <clears throat> the print stuff digital design um you know graphic design stuff um i had taken a lot of photography classes you know um and i always kind of regretted the fact that and i I had a lot of photography friends because um the way you know i was worked with photographers you know doing the graphic design stuff and uh, i always said man i wish i might have you know pursued photography more because i really like taking pictures i like the whole process i like you know back then it was uh, 35 millimeter medium format and um you know the whole processing and printing I, I you know i did a lot of that in school and i loved it and one of my best friends david hell he worked for the our photography department and um he was constantly like processing film and you know making prints from medium format of uh, transparencies and um getting to go on photo shoots and we had four photographers that he kind of was assistant for so each one of them had their own niche and I always was a little bit jealous because david got to do this cool stuff and go on shoots and go on location and do all that and i was like man i wish i could have gone more in photography 
Um, and R&T has allowed me to do that. You know, it's like at some point it's like I need, I need pictures of all our calls. I need pictures of, you know, so you just, you get a camera and you just, you start shooting. So it came back around that way for me. Um, as far as video goes, uh, <laughs> John called me up and he said, Hey, um, me and Jim, we're going to Canada three week trip and, um, you're coming with us and um you're gonna video it and i'm like what and he's like yeah um you you got a good eye you know you'll figure it out and so they hand me camera and it's like this is where you put the tape in that's how you push that's how you turn it on and that's how you hit record and that's that was my introduction and training to videography um so that was probably in hmm, man 2002 or three 2003 maybe yeah so were you just filming or were you doing the edit work too no so at that time we were um all our post stuff was being done by uh um uh a group in hot springs that was doing um oh man i'm gonna go blank but i, I basically film labeled tapes so that they were organized and knew what was what and dumped it off. Yeah. You know, I didn't even dump the footage. I just handed it over. Um, and we would kind of, we do that today too. Um, kind of in our head, you know, have the storyline in our heads, you know, like, you know, we know what we're shooting, know what we're filming. We know how this, we want this to come together. So here's, here's those tapes for that, or here's those cards for that. Um, and then we had, some, an in-house person we've had three or four different in-house guys that would do some post stuff for us so um i've never really had to just i mean rough edits i never i've never had to just set and edit um unless i wanted to and and there's times i've like putting stuff together but i'm kind of like just dumping it off and going on because like i got i got plenty of things to do besides you know that that's one part of my job and like at some point i'm like okay here here's 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 the footage <laughs> here's what we want this is storyline um this is what we're thinking and move on to the next you know move on to the next thing the thing that i've been putting off because i've been filming so yeah so and that's man that's a specific skill set you know that uh i've come i've kind of come to learn you know, that like a lot of, I don't know and if I'm wrong in this, you tell me, but, uh, you know, cameras and, you know, video cameras and all this stuff have gotten to a point to where like, uh, you can get good footage, right? Like a lot of what makes something really cool in a film format, like you, that you want to watch is because of the editing, right? Like that's, that's why people get Oscars for it, you know, cause right. it's, it's so specific, but, uh, Man, I mean, it seems tedious to me. It doesn't seem like anything I'd enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I like to edit. Um, I don't. I don't do it enough, enough that I. That's something that I want to do all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like. I mean, that's that's the one thing I love about my position here at R and T, and um, over the past twenty two years is the fact that um, one day I'm designing a box next day i'm shooting interviews for a tv show 
And, you know, the next week I'm planning a trip to Kansas or Oklahoma to film, you know, get, be in the field filming. And then knowing that I got to come back and do, you know, like t-shirt design or I got ads that have to be put together. Um, it's just like, I get to wear all those different hats. And if I went somewhere else, you know, I'd probably like do one of those things, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be designing print or social ads. And then I don't know, maybe I would, I don't don't think I would not, not the way I do it. I wouldn't be going on a road trip to film some bunch of dudes out killing stuff and then come back and putting sleek ads together to try to sell products. I, I mean, yeah, probably not, man. I, I used to think that, you know, like I get it with social media. I think a lot of that stuff's kind of combined together. Now you you see more people like doing, um, well, I mean, if you look at your Instagram feed now, it's hard to find a picture. It's all reels or videos, you know, and it it kind of annoys me because like, I just want to see a picture. I just want to see a nice steel frame. And, um, but like you know, those people are taking still frames are now taking moving. You know, they're 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 editing short clips, and um, so there is an evolution there. And um, and and those same people are, can also make print ads and design cool graphics. But um, at one point, I thought you know, and I've looked at it, it's like you're a photographer or you're a videographer, you're an editor or you're a designer. You know, you design boxes, you design T-shirts, and I was kind of like, I get to do all those things. But um, I don't know. That's where are we going with all that? Well, Matt, <laughs> do, so do you? Because yeah, I mean, look, uh, thirty or forty or fifty years ago, right? Like there probably was a lot. Uh, those lanes were a lot more regimented, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, technology has gotten to a point to where there's overlap. There's also like an accessibility to stuff, you know, like, uh, I mean, hell years ago when I was in high school, it had just kind of started getting to the point to where you could like work a summer job or something and get enough money to get like a digital four track and you could, you know, you could get some microphones and you could record your own little album, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've seen what's happened with that the last 20 or 25 years or whatever post that to where, uh, what's that cat? My wife's obsessed with him. Uh, little Nas X, right? Yeah. Like that dude, <laughs> that dude, you know, got a, a billion dollars off of a song he made in his like big sister's closet. And it sounded fantastic because the technology got to that point and he was a kid. Right. Uh, but I do wonder, so, you know, you've been doing this for, for R and T, right. For like 20 years, you're doing this stuff professionally before that. Uh, do you view yourself as, I heard you use the term creative, but I mean, are you thinking like a creative? Are you thinking a designer? Do you th- consider yourself an artist? Well, how do you really, and I know that's kind of weird cause no one wants to sound egotistical, but like, how do you, uh, and not that any of those terms I think, uh, invoke ego, but like, how do you see yourself? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I don't call myself a photographer. I mean, I love photography and I do a lot of it. And I, I mean, I, sometimes I get a great picture, but like, um, I don't label myself as a photographer. Um, I don't label myself as a videographer. Um, 
and I guess that's why I use creative because it kind of covers it's, it's more of a broader umbrella I guess mm-hmm. to cover all those things um you know when I tell people I've been making my living since 1992 I've been being paid to use Adobe products Photoshop Illustrator um and like something's like you know like there's Photoshop 92 yeah there's Photoshop 92 um so I you know I guess I'm and I don't artist is kind of I don't know if that's a title that I'm worthy of so I don't know I'm a graphic designer that's what I that's what I got a degree in and that's what I started doing in 92 and I'm still doing it to this day so um but I I use the word creative just kind of encompass all the little things I get to do so that is creative you know what I mean what uh so I'll tell you what I'm kind of struck by man and that is and we talked about it a bit before we started. Like, there's always, whenever I'm doing a podcast with somebody, you can't just show up and just immediately hit record, right? So you have to like sit and talk and uh, kind of just develop a rapport, right? But uh, we, oh, shoot, man, I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to explain something that might not have needed to be explained. Uh, but no, I know, I know what I was thinking about. Uh, and this does come up in conversations that I have from time to time, because as far as like, you know, waterfowling world, uh, Southern waterfowling, Arkansas waterfowling, right? Like there's different reasons why I kind of stand out or, uh, feel like that, uh, I don't know. I'm different than the status quo or whatever. Right. Uh, but I would think in this space too, like, there's stuff about you that would kind of set you apart as well. Right. So, uh, you know, I I was, I've been trying to figure out how I was going to bring this up, but like, so one thing to me that kind of sets you apart is, uh, and maybe it's, maybe I'm misreading it a little bit, but like, is like the widespread panic thing. Right. (laughs) So, uh, a lot of people probably wouldn't know this, but I used to listen to Widespread Panic quite a bit. Like when I was in high school, uh, listening to jam bands was, I went to this all boys Catholic private high school, right? Mm-hmm. So listening to jam bands, that was like the, uh, that was like the way to be counterculture in my high school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. That was a way to like uh, stick it to the man and uh be different or whatever right so that was like 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 97 98 yeah i graduated high school in 2001 yeah so you know i was uh what was it so say 99 2000 that was was some good years for some jam hey man yeah uh yeah i mean we could go down the rabbit hole man like filling friends and Mm -hmm. leftover salmon and uh string cheese incident Mm -hmm. i mean i'd yeah i definitely i saw yeah i saw all that stuff man Mm -hmm. um like multiple times too. It was also the place where, uh, you know, you could buy like, uh, two for $5, a beat of beers when you were 16. So I'd like buy beers in the parking lot and veggie burritos. And mm-hmm. think it was like the greatest thing in the world. Uh, and I was driving around a, I was driving around a 74 Volkswagen Beetle cool. back then, yeah. man. Uh, and just really thought I was, thought I was super counterculture, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I got to Arkansas and started hanging out with punk rock kids and, uh, and, 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 
and feeling like I was, because I mean, really what I was doing was hanging out with a bunch of like Trustafarians, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and rich kids that <laughs> we were going to shows and their parents BMWs. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, man, uh, like for me, that was kind of like a period in my life, but like you're still like a huge fan of widespread and you're like, you go on these like cruises and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that that's one thing that kind of, me and John, when we met, we kind of clicked on that too. Uh-huh. He, he was, I think he was bigger into fish maybe, which, yeah. I, and, um, which is, I, I'm more of a widespread, but I'm not a hater. I appreciate it all, but, um, well, widespread is, and widespread is, uh, specifically more Southern than yeah. fish, right? Oh, like yeah. there's a real Southern, uh, tinge to widespread. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that kind of what that kind of helped bring us together too, because we had that in common. You know, we didn't have like I didn't know anything about duck hunting or duck calls at the time, but um, we had that connection as far as music goes. And that would have set him apart back, like some dude from Stuttgart that was in a uh, fish in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be real different, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> Yeah, if I had to put a number on how many shows I've seen, I just tell people like it's over three hundred. I mean, there's yeah. So I'm still kind of I'm not obsessed with them. I mean, I I don't even hardly listen to them unless I go see them live. But mm-hmm. like, I am looking forward to the next show. So that'll be uh, Huntsville coming up next month, and it's three nights. And I'm taking you know my wife. She's been my um, partner in crime, wives for panics for a long time. Now we're taking Zoe, and you know she, we took her when she was little, but she, now she kind of like she'll want to go. And she's like, I don't want to go go three nights. So I just want to go to one night. But I'm like, I'm buying you a ticket for every night because you'll want to go to the next two nights if you just go the first night. So, um, yeah, and going on some of their Mexico stuff. That I mean, that's kind of been a good getaway too. Well, you know, uh, and not to go too far into this jam band deal, yeah. but like that's a those are like very immersive shows right like they're long i mean hours and hours and like they'll play i mean a lot of shows you go to like you know the folks that get up and play they might play for 45 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever you know but like i mean you can go to a three or four hour long show and uh just kind of have this like strange lasting undulating song that turns in all sorts of stuff uh and like i said i haven't been to a show and hell i don't know 20 years or something uh those guys have got to be kind of old too by now huh they are as a matter of fact what's this today uh i think today tomorrow maybe it's jb's birthday he's like you know the front man there i don't know how old it's gonna be i should know that that's why i sent him a birthday card (laughs) that's why man if if you know what his birthday is man you might be a little obsessed uh but yeah, man, but that all to reference, uh, do you, do you feel like you're, you're bringing kind of like a unique perspective to the space or, uh, am I misinterpreting any of that? Or do you, do you think that you see the world differently at all than like a lot of the folks you're, you're interacting with or, or uh, not really? No, I mean, yeah, I've always been kind of the weirdo as far as the waterfowl, like, anything waterfowl yeah um yeah it, like from the very beginning like yeah I'm, I'm the i'm the weird one you know like i'm I'm not like the other so 
um, like when we go somewhere or meet up with somebody, you know, or be at, you know, travel somewhere and be at someone's lodges, I was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's just Blake. You know, that, that's how I was labeled. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is though. So you're saying like you grew up over there by Malvern, you grew up hunting, uh, and I kind of feel like this too, like, so obvious, like I said, obviously I stick out in a lot of spots, right? But I still have enough connections to, I don't know what you'd call it, like that good old boy sensibility, right? Like I've spent most of my life doing blue collar jobs and, uh, you know, a big chunk of my adult life's been like hunting and fishing and stuff. So there's still points of connections to where, uh, you can interact and like become friends and like not have such have such hard and fast walls between you and other people that you can't have like cool relationships with oh, folks, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm the type too. I've never met a stranger. I mean my wife wife would tell you that for sure. You know, it's just like I'm gonna meet somebody and be able to have a conversation about just about anything, um, or at least try to. And um whether I like them or not, and you know it's like if I meet somebody, I give them a chance. I may not ever talk to them again, but um, I've always been able to talk to people and never really met a stranger. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't <laughs> mean to set myself as like being the weirdo that, you know, I, I grew up in the outdoors. I just didn't know duck hunting. I didn't, you know, or waterfowl because um, I wasn't ever around it. So, um I grew up in a household of a largemouth bass fisherman who was absolutely ate up with it and still is to this day. My dad turned, his birthday was Monday and he turned 75 and he would be on the lake today catching crappie if the weather had, wouldn't have been bad. Um, like I'm talking hardcore tournament fisherman. So um, he kind of, he turned fishing into work for me. So, uh, you know, he took the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I like to hunt. And so my dad was going to be on the lake no matter what time of year it was. I mean, if he had to break ice on the ramp to get his boat in and out, he was going to be on the lake. I mean, every, every week of the year, my entire, um, almost my entire life. I mean, he slowed down some now, but, um, but where I was going with that come ducks, uh, come deer season, he made sure when I was a kid that I had a place to hunt, you know, like one of his buddies would have a a place or we'd go out and we'd find sign and he'd make sure that I would had a deer to, to hunt, you know, um, or take me squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting. Um, I had neighbors, I had bird dogs. And back when you could kill a quail in Arkansas, when I was a kid, you know, I'd always go quail hunting with my next door neighbor, Gary, um, and make uh, maxi balls for my muzzle loader, you know. So what's, my dad, what, what's a maxi ball? You know, they're so they weren't a round ball. They're the more bullet, like a bullet shape that had the grooves around it. Yeah, that's what we called them. I okay, mean, maybe there's a different name for them. Um, that's back when you greased them up and put them on a patch, and it's not like it is today. It was like I had an old um, Hawkins fifty caliber muzzle loader um that my dad bought me you know so he always made sure i had um shotgun and muzzle loader and 
a bow, whatever I needed for, whatever season it was I could hunt, you know. Um, but he wasn't deer hunting? No, no. He was fishing. He was on the lake fishing. Um, bass fishing. Like, if he could catch a crappie, he'd catch a crappie. But he's going to fish. He's going bass fishing. Um, yeah, he's um, he's Mr. Bass of Arkansas. I want to say two different times. Um, it's one more bass boats than I could even count at one time you know like it when i was a kid i had them counted up to a certain point and then just kind of i mean what know, would he do with them sell them so when i was a kid um like i'm saying grade school he, we had two he had won two monarch fiberglass boats the boat no motor no trailer nothing but the boat we had two of them sitting in the yard on tires when he won the second one he he sold the two the two monarch boats and then the boat that he had been fishing out of and bought his first ranger boat that's how he was able to purchase a ranger he sold three boats and bought the one um but yeah um i mean one year he he was fishing in arkansas river him and don brown which is one of his team bass fisher partners and um they won a fully decked out boat and ford explorer wow and, and i'm like cool you know bring it home we want to see it and he's like we sold it <laughs> so we, we had it sold before we got to the ramp so um yeah um we just did a jim and i just did a this past season a hunt that we filmed at um in the on the north platte in western nebraska with jake latondras and uh a bunch of the BAS elite dudes mm-hmm. that are currently fishing. I think there was like, I don't know, seven different guys fishing. And then Steve Bowman, who is, um, he is a writer. So he, he wrote forever, or I say forever, for a long time for Arkansas Democrat Gazette, you know, the main paper in yep. the state. And um, I think then he went, moved on to ESPN and um b-a-s-s but anyway he was there and um he was there to to write a piece on what this hunt that we were doing with these guys and uh james overstreet outdoor photographer who's photographed all kinds of great fishing stuff he was there documenting it and um anyway when steve found out who i was he was like you're ricky fisher's son i was like yeah i mean it's just like you know him covering all these guys that he covers now but like he knew who my dad was because like you know my dad was on fire there for a while in the mid 80s i guess tournament fishing you know um, well i mean it sounds like supplementing the family income oh yeah well I, i say so i have i'm i have one sibling and uh she's 10 years younger than me and um i always i always give her heck about um the fact you know like i wanted a bmx bike but i got my aunt's hand-me-down 10 speed mm-hmm. you want a bmx bike and they went to this bike shop and bought you a brand new mongoose a pink mongoose and uh a little more money in the coffee yeah, when she came around yeah or yeah because you know he was all like i look back and i'm like well all all his money was going back into his tackle box you know or like or you know he was making money but you're still you know Fishing, I guess, is like you know another hobby that it's gonna, you know like duck hunting. It's going to cost you some money. Yeah, uh, especially like, when you like, get to that like level. Like playing golf, I guess that's cost you money too. 
like I see like waterfowl in the, you know, I learned pretty quick, like duck hunters are fanatical, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're, they love to duck hunt and they're going to do it no matter what the cost or how they got to get it done. And they're going to have, you know, you got to have the gear and you're going to get the best gear and, um, might not, might have to eat some beanie weenies, but I'm going to get some new decoys. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, um, I see, uh, I'm, I know people that are that way about golf. Um, but fishing's the same way, you know, and, um, you, you got to have, and nowadays it's even worse because they have all the fish finder, you know, it's like, it's crazy the the technology that's going into bass fishing now. Um, but anyway, kind of got off, got, no, off, that's got cool, off track. Man. We got, I got like out into the middle of the lake there for a minute. No, that's wild, man. Uh, but you know, I think that does speak to being able to relate to folks even if it's like a different outdoor pursuit you still grew up uh with that like very intimate relationship with these outdoor expenditures and understanding stuff uh so if you killed your first if you killed your first duck like in this professional environment right once you mm-hmm. started working for R&T have you do you feel like you've uh evolved to the point that you'd call yourself like a duck hunter now or are you still kind of uh, on the periphery of it not well i mean i love to hunt i love like i mean i like to get the gun in my hand and um and and shoot some ducks is you hunting like kind of just because of the way it's set up it's like always an afterthought though yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean like yeah I, and and i put that on myself too because like i mean if we're having a great hunt you know and there's you know four or five guys and everyone's getting their limits and you know like we only need like one a piece or you know whatever and they're like you want to shoot you know if it's a great hunt to it's to the point where blake gets to get a gun i'm almost rather like keep getting that great content because i'm like I'm, you know this next bunch that comes in may be epic and i'm gonna have a gun and not have a camera like i just i'd rather have the camera you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and because um, that's happened, you know, <laughs> before. But uh, where you're like, oh crap, you know, I wasn't ready or didn't, you know, it's there's always going to be that moment where like, ah, oh, I missed that one. Should have been. So well, yeah, kinda, that, that that's like duck hunting though, yeah, too, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I like to shoot. Like I, you know, this year it was, it's cool too because. uh times when it has been good and they're like here take you know take the gun and let me have the camera um it's been several times where i've had the camera point on me when like you know double up you know and that's always feels good because uh it's you know some folks are like dang you need to shoot more often. i'm like well i'm i'm shooting them all you know yeah that's yeah. all i'm doing all morning long is i'm trying to get every one of them shot um shot dead on camera so yeah i should at least be able to swing and kill one you know um i'm not saying i there's been times too i'm like yeah like uh we went on a sea duck hunt and um this was uh the upper peninsula of michigan and we went up there it was john and rusty from the shop here and we met sean stall up there and we went we were on one of the Great Lakes. We went over, um, oh, that huge bridge as you go over the 
go to the tip of the mitt there. Anyway, Mackinac Bridge. Anyway, we're on one of the Great Lakes, and um, we're in a big tender boat, and they we had the layout boats. It basically looks to me like a piece of plywood um, with a little cavity in it. And uh, stalls like, all right, get in. I'm like this, this is the ones when you like kind of sit below the water. Yeah, well, you're you're basically floating on top of the water. Okay. Big, like, um, what do they call those things? Um, like those sink boxes? No, it's not a sink box. It's um, man, Sean Stall would slap me right now for not being able to think of this. Um, it's a floating blind. But it's they're they're wide and there's not much to them. I mean, it's not it's like, like trying to get blind? into a like a kayak. Okay, yeah, so kind of like a coffin blind yeah. or something. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but I'm like, no. And he's like, no, get in there. You're shooting. I'm like, I'm not shooting. I'm filming. He's like, no, you're shooting. Get get in. I'm like, I I quit arguing with him. So I'm, I you know you climb out of this perfectly good boat that's five foot off of three foot waves. You know, it's like it's going and like. Mm-hmm. I got on more clothes than I should have because I figured I was going to be in this boat, you know. Anyway, laying on my back in this blind and trying to shoot sea ducks that are super fast, coming crazy, you know. And I cussed more than I shot, but I had shot a whole box of shells and killed like maybe three, and and missed some great. I mean, missed some great opportunities to, um, but. I'm like, you know, like, what am I doing here? You know, like, I'm supposed to, who's filming? Y'all aren't filming me. Who's who's filming? You know, I guess they were filming me. Um, I don't even know. They probably did make a TV show. They all start to run together now. But um, anyway, that was another time that I hunted and didn't shoot well at all. I, so, I, yeah, I don't, I haven't shot great every time. Yeah, man, that's part, I mean, that's part of the game. Yeah. Like, I... I had a hunt this past year. It was, uh, and we were filming it actually. And like, that's probably part of the reason why it went so bad. Yeah. I mean, and camera curse, I missed and missed and missed. And then I switched guns and I missed and missed. And then my buddy gave me his 10 gauge and I missed with that. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. And we, I sat there and counted up. I'm not even going to say how many shells I shot and didn't, didn't get anything. But sometimes like you just don't have it. Uh, and it's, you know, that's all right too, man. Like sometimes you're not supposed yeah. to. What the fl- the frustrating part about that though is when you're the you're the camera guy, and you're like, would someone please kill a duck? I mean, like when you see them whiff and you have you know it's like I was I had that Drake it's full frame, frame yeah. come I mean wingtip to wingtip, and y'all didn't cut a feather. You know I got it. It flew in and it flew out, and I got it all on camera or. Worst yet, and Jim Ronquist, well, he's one of the world's worst at this. Have keep his gun hanging on the tree, or better yet, not have his gun hanging on the tree even loaded. When you know, like Jim, you know, when, are you you going to shoot? You know, or are you just going to call him? You think that's because he's he cares more about calling than he does yeah, about sometimes, shooting. Sometimes, sometimes. Um, Can you blow a duck call at this point? <laughs> No, I'm just gonna say no. Um, I've, you know, I used to, I used to try to work at it, um, 
I used to get Butch to like, all right, you know, show me some stuff, and I'd do what he told me to do, and I'd practice on that. Then I'd go back to the back of the shop here, and I'd, you know, I'd say, hey, Rusty, how's how's the sound? He'd be like, man, no. I'm like, Butch just showed, told me to do this? He's like, no, man, put that call in your pocket. Or he'd tell me to do something totally different than what Butch said. Sure, did. yeah. Um, or, you know, and then I'd maybe be in my truck and, you know, driving – practicing whatever and think that i was okay and i said hey john won't you listen to me and john's like man won't you you just need to stick to camera so i'm like why even try you know why why do i even try i'm like i'm hunting with the world's best yeah, I mean, duck like, callers legitimately so, so like um, not, and not just like anecdotally like yeah one competition's considered some of the best duck callers in the world yeah and it's not like i'm gonna jump on my call and help call while i'm filming um like some folks i mean like <laughs> we've we've been on those trips and jim's like oh so-and-so's gonna be there and he's gonna help he's gonna run an extra camera and knowing in my mind like okay yeah that's gonna last for like five minutes you know and then he's gonna be blowing a call or shooting his gun or worse yet gonna try to do all three at the same time run a camera blow his call and shoot him so i mean in that case you you'd better just pick one or call him and shoot him but don't try to film not doing me any favor by adding that much more footage that's not even any good so um yeah i don't i don't duck call man if so you know i'm struck by the fact that so you you said you're 18 seasons in I think this. that's right. I think I think we're I think this is season eighteen. I could be wrong, but I, I think that's right. What channel does it show on? Sportsman's channel. Sportsman's channel. Yeah. Okay. And so um, you know, before that we were you know, we had a few seasons there that were like twenty four episodes, a couple years. That was so powerhouse productions. That was the place I was trying to think of earlier okay. out of Hot Springs. Um but yeah, well, I'm pretty sure it's eighteen. I mean, at some point, it's all ran together for me. Like, I honestly, like, I can tell you what shows we did for this past season that are coming up and what we did the year before, most of them, maybe. But at some point, they all just kind of well, yeah, mashed together. You're dealing with hundreds, and then yeah. you're also dealing with, you know, probably going to the same places, mm-hmm. you know, uh, year after year. But I will say that, so, like, but if someone needs a photo, um, I'm – I'm good. Like I can remember. Oh, oh yeah. I got a shot from that was that was 2018. I think that was the first part of the season. So yeah, December first week December, and I, I can go and I can find those images the way I have them cataloged. You know, I just like. But and I may and I can remember landmarks and stuff. But other than some things, like I can't remember names. I couldn't remember. You know. Yeah. Or, yeah. or the damn blind I was laying in. Um, well, it also sounds like you always had an interest in photography, and you're a videographer almost by happenstance. Yeah. Right? Well, um, Jim, he's laughed at me for years because I'm I got a I'm I'm filming with usually I'm I'm running the camera off like a monopod, okay, um, or you know a video camera um, of some sorts, but I'll have like one or two cameras, still cameras hung <laughs> across my body because like I'm trying to you know like. I want to be able to film and get stills 
I, I usually will sacrifice the steals because I got to get the video. I mean, mm-hmm. that's first, but like, I'm always, I'm always trying to get still images too. I'm trying to, you know, I want to document the hunt or tell the story with, um, with pictures, you know, it's, it's important to me is getting the footage. Um, but yeah, I've always, I love the photography aspect of it for sure. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, you're fine. Thank you so much. <laughs> just had a little beer delivery. Here. Yeah. She takes care of me. Oh, man, I just got a Charlie horse like a son of a buck. Oh. I, I've got one earlier I, I kind of shook off. I guess I have my legs dangle here. Yeah, I don't know what's happening, man. Um, well, no, yeah, what I was going to ask you is, so you've got, like you're saying, hundreds and hundreds of episodes of this television show. You've been traveling all over the place, you know, going, I mean, lots of places that would be bucket list uh hunts for for like really diehard waterfowl hunters right and in a real variety of settings right so i'm sure you've been canada plenty of times right you've mm-hmm. been all over the south you've been in and every one of these places is gonna is gonna have like a distinct uh kind of waterfowling culture style species they're targeting right um is there like what are the ones that are that you're always looking forward to going to or that you just for whatever reason you find them particularly beautiful uh or there's something really special about it that that like maintains a, a point of prominence in your mind? Oh man. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I've got to go in s- to some really cool places. It's hard to maybe pinpoint um um it is and it isn't really. So, like, for years, um, Jim and I have been going to Sumner, Missouri, to hunt with our friend Ira McCauley. Um, not at Habitat Flats. I mean, we we kind of, you know, we were doing that when they first started out. I mean, at one point, I had my whole whole wing to Habitat Flats that I could stay in um, when they were first starting out. Um but Sumner, um, I think we tried to figure out how many years in a row. We, I think it was 13 years we've been going there. At least we'll make at least one stop there a mm-hmm. season to hunt with Ira and his brother Aaron. Um, and it's just like a buddy hunt, you know. It's just like a reunion of sorts, you know. We we usually we usually get at least one good hunt out of a trip there. Um, Moist soil, moist soil or flooded corn. Um, they have some timber stuff. It's not like Arkansas timber, um, but just it. That hunt there is always the camaraderie, um, the food. You know, just the just the fellowship. I guess you'd say. You know, it's um, you're going to see your buddy and hang out with your buddy. Mm-hmm. It's not like um, you know, and trying to get and and. Iris always wanting to make sure we can get the best footage. I mean, we're always, he was always coming out with these crazy new products. So it's like, let's try to get, you know, we got to try to kill them in this new freedom chair, you know, that or whatever prototype, the flare chair, <laughs> um, whatever prototype product, you know, he's always, let's try to get this. Let's try to get that. But um, there's, there's those places that we go where, um, you know, whether or not the hunting's going to be good, it's going to be 
a good time. Yeah. Um, that uh, Sumner is definitely one of those places. Um, you know, we go there now, and it's like, you know, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna see, um, so you know, the people who are there year round, or you know, I'm gonna see um, familiar faces because you've been going there for so long. Um, that's you know, that's the trip I look forward to every year. You know, I used to look forward to, I can't wait to get in the river bottoms here at home. Um, I don't know if I can say that anymore. I hate to say, I hate to say that I can't say that because it's gotten to be so, um, um, getting hard, man. Yeah. You know, cause of the pressure and, uh, the competition and getting to the spot and, you know, or, you know, having people so close to you or, you know, just getting away from folks. Um, you know, and I guess you can blame all that on technology where, you know, used to people, you know, now people have no fear. You know, well, they got they got their mobile map in their hand. You know, you can go anywhere. You can see where you're going or where you've been. You know, you don't have to worry about getting turned around or lost. Where before, you know, you better have a good compass and or or uh, GPS. You know, or you know, have your waypoint smart. Make sure nobody in the boat had GPS on them so they can't mark your spots. Um, yeah, there. Were, I mean, you're talking about before Google's. Yeah, yeah, and before. All that stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, and I don't know. I, I hunting here at home. I mean, there's some places here. There's you know, it's like if I had to pick all the places I've been, probably still pick right here. You know, in Arkansas, flooded timber. I mean, honestly, you know, um, I really like getting out to the North Platte. It's just a whole different. It's just a whole change of scenery. You know, it's like cowboy country looks like john wayne's gonna roll up on a horseback and flip a cigarette at you and say you know you got this is my hole you gotta go yeah move you on pilgrim. Yeah, yeah yeah um no warm water sloughs and just the landscape is so cool yeah that's something i would like to do man hunting that skinny water up there mm-hmm. uh just from the stuff i've seen it seems like some really wild stuff i did get to hunt uh I had a cool, fun little hunt in Utah this year or this past season. Uh, and it was like, it was weird, man. It was like 8,000 feet of elevation. It was this little skinny water coming off of a hot spring, right? Yeah. Like we were post-holing through snow to get to it. It was uh, four degrees. Mm. And we're sitting there and I'm looking at a herd of elk up on the side of this mountain. I'm looking at moose, like cow moose, a cow and a, a calf moose over here. And then there's mallards landing right down in front of us. And it's just, just like you said, man, just such a wild change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I like going to those places where you can see all those different animal, you know, critters. Yeah. It's like redneck safari, you know, like when you can say, Ooh, I saw a pronghorn and I saw a mule deer and I saw a elk and a freaking badger. I mean, we like going to Canada, you know, it's like, you just like let's just start making a checklist of what what we're gonna see or what we want to see, you know. Um, well, and it takes you out of it takes you out of uh, your little bubble, right? Like Stuttgart is a place that you know there's not a ton of people that live in Stuttgart, right? And everything around here is flat. Like mm-hmm. we were just talking about that because there was like a big thunderstorm today, man. Like there's lots of roads that are flooded. Like I came through a uh, I came through England, man, and like 
just the main roads in England are like two and a half feet of water, like some yeah. of them, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's as I've started to travel, it's weird just to see the difference in topography. Or I remember one time I was in Alaska salmon fishing and I was talking to this guy and I don't know where he was from. This was a time in my life when, when like anybody that was from like north and west of here was like it all blended together. Like Montana, North Dakota, like I couldn't tell the difference, right? Mm-hmm. And but this guy told me he had never seen a possum before. And I was like, never seen a possum? And like they there weren't possums where that guy was from. Yeah. And it, it never even occurred to me that there was a place without possums, yeah. <laughs> right? But right. This dude had never seen one except on television or like a cartoon version yeah. of it. Uh, but I bet he'd, I bet he'd seen a Wolverine. Right. Yeah. Or see porcupines, you know, like, like we see skunks. Yeah. Yeah. There's no porcupines here. Uh, yeah, man, the world, hell, just this country is such a big, strange place. Mm -hmm. Like, and the fact that this is, I mean, really, if you think about it, if you went over to Europe, these would, all these States would be different countries. You know, and these are this is all one place. Yeah. And it it can be so varied. Uh and yeah, you've seen a ton of it just driving around in a car, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um I've spent some I've spent some time in a passenger seat for sure, especially with Jim. I mean, man, I've spent more time with him during duck season than we spend with our wives. Um and we still like each other. I mean, we've been we've been hours on the road together and um never really get cross you know that's never really get upset with each other or you know not verbally anyway so um and then that's I special mean, man yeah. that really is i mean here's one for you so you talk this brings back in widespread panic so john and another guy used to work here who would help us run a camera cade parnell we um we went to canada and we were in Alberta. I think we might have started out in Saskatchewan, but we were like in Alberta. We met Jake Latondris up there. He ran a camera with us. And it was like a two-week-long trip. And um, we had to take him to the airport. And, man, I wish I, I need to look at a map. But it was we, – we went further north and west to get him to – oh, man – Alberta was a big city in Alberta. Oh, hell, I got no idea. Yeah. Anyway, so we kind of go out our way to take him to the airport. And, and our trip was basically, and we were done. We, we'd got all the footage we need and whatsoever. So we're, we're going to have to turn, head home on the way to take him to the airport. Might have been Edmonton. Um, I'm like, John, I'm like, Panic's playing in um, Idaho. I mean, it's like, out of the way but like we still got to go down so we drove 17 hours south to see widespread panic play in nampa idaho which is the farthest i've seen them play north so drove we drove 17 hours down through we went through glacier national park and uh, popped over to idaho saw them play in idaho that night and we're pulling the rnt trailer behind the truck yeah you know and uh which made it a convenient spot to take a pee you know in the parking lot sure full of hippies um just popping the trailer and peeing five gallon bucket full of decoy steaks um and then the next night we drove from there to missoula montana and um saw him play there stayed with some friends uh, that had moved up there from arkansas 
And um, so, yeah, so then we, so we left Missoula, and we're like, crap, we're so close to uh, Yellowstone. Let's go through Yellowstone. So we drove in one side of Yellowstone and out the other side. And, I mean, we're, we're basically tourists at this point. Yeah. So um, we had seen all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, we'd seen all kinds of animals. And um, Cade's big deal is, like, I want to see a bear. I want to see a bear. I mean, we saw, like, sheep and wolverine. We saw a wolverine. We saw all kinds of stuff, um, and especially coming through Yellowstone. And right as we're leaving Yellowstone, we, he got his bear. We saw a bear um, and bison, all that. I mean, you name it. And uh, so – we lit, we left Yellowstone and we're just, we're driving now. We're road warriors. We drove over to Rushmore, Mount Rushmore. I mean, I say over. It wasn't like it was. Just, I mean, it it took us all day to get over to what's the Badlands. Yeah. Saw Mount Rushmore. And I'm like, this is a great family vacation I'm having with my boss. You know, like uh, we should have been home like three days ago, but we just took in two panic shows and. Um, now we're just sightseeing america um but yeah that was that was a good one well, that, man, that was a road trip for sure you, you know man like as i've kind of entered this this space professionally uh i'd say like i almost always end up liking the the like photographers and stuff more like it's not that i don't like the other folks man but uh i think i'd just kind of that idea of like uh, seeing the world through like your creative lens. I think I identify with that a little bit more. It's also, I also really like the juxtaposition because a lot of people that are in those roles are like kind of weird, right? Have histories that are like more aligned with me. Yeah. Uh, you know, have tattoos that aren't like affliction based or whatever. Yeah, right. right. Uh, or like spent time in bands or whatever it might be. Uh, but Man, I do think that having having like that variance in experiences and going different places and and just kind of enjoying uh, enjoying like the transmogrifying force of of going through different places and experiencing different things, like that's going to inform you creatively, right? Like you're making your world bigger and you're making your uh your you're making your creative pool bigger right yeah so then uh so then when you like come back here and you're on the computer or you're like sitting there and you're like doing like the doodles that you like post on instagram or something right like even something simplistic right like that's being informed by those different experiences uh I mean, and even into something like what John's doing, like making calls, right? Like that creative enterprise, like it's got to be in it, be informing that, right? Because I was talking to someone the other day and there's so much stuff I love about Arkansas. One of the things that I lament about Arkansas sometimes is, uh, and it's like two sides to a coin, right? Like one side is there's a lot of very small places in Arkansas with people that are like very tightly engrossed in a community uh the other side of that is you know you get a lot of people that they might spend almost all their time within like 10 square miles or something right and they don't uh it, it just it can sometimes breed like a, a stagnation uh and just 
you know, just a, uh, an inability to kind of fill themselves out because they just haven't seen stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, even as far as like just hearing different people's accents, the way that like different, different things are pronounced, you know, people calling, uh, people calling like sodas pops or something, right. right? It's something as simple as that. Uh, but I mean, do you, is that something that you're aware of when you're creating? Do you feel like you're, do you feel like your world is, is constantly getting a little bit bigger or your perspective's changing? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, def. I mean, travel definitely does that for you. Um, whether it be going to different places to hunt or just going chasing a band around, you know what I mean? Like just seeing the country, like uh, that's, um, that's one thing that R&T has provided for me is the ability to go places and see things, that I never would have seen before, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and I'm, we're, I'm always taking it in. Like, some of the cool stuff that we've done is, um, you know, some of these history-based shows that we've done. And I'm like, you know, like, I'm standing in the same room that, you know, someone was standing in in the late 1800s, you know, picking ducks for a market, you know, or, and this, or something weird like that, or this is... You know, I'm standing in Charles Perdue's living room where he carved decoys. Or you said you were sitting in a chair that Winston Churchill used to sit in. Yep. Yeah. So stuff like that is, yeah, that doesn't go overlooked for sure. It's um, really cool and um, definitely influences, you know, like, you know, like this, like this coaster right here. I mean, like, it it looks like a coaster to most people, but we're educating people on the history of call makers, you know, subliminally. Well, here, just real quick so people can see that. So he's got, and you designed that, right? Yeah. So, and then I'm looking at a pint blast too that you designed too. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, but this coaster, it's uh, it's got a, uh, it's a Mark Weedman's call, right? So like call collectors would call those like Weedy's calls. That dude is from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, you know, the town that I live in. And he was, as I understand it, he was, there were people that were turning calls out of acrylic before Mark Weedman, but Mark Weedman is the first person that started like laminating and stacking different colors of acrylic and turning those. So you get all these like really cool, like lollipop looking colors mm-hmm. and stuff. And he was doing this, what, then, 60s? In the 40s. 40s? Okay. Yeah, 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 40s, 50s. Uh, and those Wheaties calls, I mean, they go for big money right now. Uh, shoot, I was we were talking about uh, Plow Jacobs, man. His dad's got got a handful. Yeah, of Yeah, they do have a nice Wheaties uh, collection. Yeah, he's got a his dad's him and his dad have a cool call collection. Uh, but man, even more than just traveling physically, too. Uh, something I really keyed in on, just like following your Instagram, and we talked about it again before we started recording. But like. Uh, your vinyl collection, right? So that's something I really dug is like one, you're a serious vinyl collector, but it's not, I maybe at first glance, I would have expected it to, you know, be a bunch of like old grateful dead stuff or all like, you know, till the medicine takes or whatever. Right. (laughs) But it's any and everything, man. Like we were talking about it. You brought up MF doom, uh, rest in peace, MF Doom. Mm. Uh, you reference Kid Cudi, right? Like, yeah. This is it, it's the complete opposite of stagnation, which I think is fascinating to to have an intersect of that and that mindset 
and, and that kind of stylistic interpretation of stuff blending with something like duck calls that in many ways is so rooted in, in like history and tradition. And like, you know, when you talk to people that are like really passionate about it, like when you talk to John about it, or you talk to Raggio, you're going to hear words like, uh, like legacy and tradition and all of this stuff, right? Like what, what, what gets evoked is this, is this uh, kind of pastoral image, like like old tobacco stained woods and all that, right? But then you juxtapose that with Kid Cudi, right? Or like, <laughs> yeah. M- or like even beyond Kid Cudi, like MF Doom. Yeah. Like I'd say, I'd say if you went up to a hundred folks that say they like hip hop, and you brought up MF Doom, I'm like a lot of them wouldn't know who he was, right? Yeah. Uh, or you know, we were we were talking about. Uh, you you even said to me, you said I, I said something about LP, who's a hip hop producer and a MC, who's like kind of gained prominence lately with his band, uh, Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels, right? With Killer Mike out of Atlanta. And the first thing you said, man, oh man, they're coming with Big Boy up to Bentonville, right? So you're like plugged into that, uh, and I think that's fascinating that that is intersecting so much with the public eye of a brand that. Like when did Butch start R&T back in the 70s? Yeah, 76. Yeah, so we're talking like 50 years. Yeah. Uh, a 50-year continuum uh, with a company that's, I mean, I think you could probably fairly argue that like one of the most influential entities in in duck hunting for the last 50 years as far as like. I think so. I'd like to think so. I mean, dude, yeah. I would think definitely yeah. as far as the prominence uh the relationship with like uh callers like we said man like john stevens is legitimately you know i think could people could reference him and say he's one of the best duck callers of the last 50 years right yeah uh yeah i I tell john i'm like you know he can pick up any he can pick up any call whether it's a metal read or whatever and make it sound amazing you know um and i've always joked i said you could pick up a dog turd and make it sound like a duck and just i mean yeah he's got it man yeah if it was an old hard one like white one he might <laughs> right. could, might could spin it into a call right <laughs> don't give me ideas there's yeah. a that's the duck call idea someone should make a duck call that looks like a dog turd. dog turd one of these collectors would buy it yeah it might be worth a million dollars one day uh i could market that dude hey yeah. we might we might take this out and i might try and piece do of shit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, man, do you have any, uh, do you have anything that you're like specifically excited about coming up in this next year? Ooh, well, um, yeah, it's this, well, obviously Call of Palooza is coming up and that's got us extremely busy. I mean, it keeps you busy. There's just so many little pieces to it and we're, we're adding some new stuff to it this year that should be really cool. Um, um a cook a, a blind cooking contest um like the judging's blind or the cooking no blind? The, no like what how would you, you would cook on like a flat top in a duck blind oh okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we're making a competition out of that um and that's something that just came to us in a blind this year uh jim and i were hunting with our friends um in central missouri gypsy camp and um they were cooking on the flat top it was, it was kind of slow so what do you do you know you, you 
if you got food cook it mm-hmm. and um we were like man this could be kind of cool if we like add like a duck blind cook-off kind of deal and so it from that conversation we're making it happen this year at Callapalooza. um and then um a calling contest that's going to be different than anything that's been done that i know of um an actual cut down contest where the participants have to cut the call really yeah so they're all given um the same insert that they have to cut um and they have you know a certain amount of time to do it in is and, it um, is it like a mondo insert or something yeah it's um uh, i think it it's maybe based on the d2 yeah the old old um but um i'm um, that's not my area not of, realm, of, yeah, but um i think that like it's all been done um jim and john would be the guys there but uh um you know it 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 could be pretty cool because you know there's a lot of these dudes that call themselves you know that that make cuts you know and, and cut people's calls for them and um it's an invite only kind of deal so you know it's kind of like put your money where your mouth is you know cut a call and blow a routine with it um but that's that's cool I'm, I'm i'm pretty excited about seeing how that goes down and the cooking thing um i know by the time call of palooza gets here i'll be ready to pull my beard out um and then this coming fall you know with with jim not being here to be a part of RTV, tv um just kind of looking forward to see what you know how we all come together to take up that slack like i said earlier it's like we won't be filling his shoes because you can't feel his shoes he's jim's never met a stranger and you know like he uh he's a personality that you know that can't be replaced really but um we're going to california to to do a trip which is we've talked about for years doing a west coast hunt and that's going to come to light this fall you guys have never been out there never we never not for a tv show no never have are you gonna go hunt with Corey? Uh, i think that's the plan i think that's the plan Um, and i i got to i actually when i was in california i went in over to uh, the tangle free like office or mm -hmm. warehouse man and oakland yeah and hung out with him for well was it is it it's close to oakland isn't it yeah it's it's kind of by like uh sacramento uh what's the name of that town i forget but uh yeah that dude's real cool man yeah Corey's a good guy super nice guy yeah yeah and see that you talk about different stuff man like this guy owns like a very recognizable decoy brand man and like if i just met him i wouldn't peg him as a duck guy right right yeah. you know, i think yeah. he's like a surfer or something maybe yeah. he does surf i don't know yeah. uh but yeah just a west coast flavor to that uh-huh. guy that'll be cool man i was talking to some uh uh that guy scott lasaith he's a uh like the sporting chef he's got that show like dead meat mm-hmm. and uh we were talking about uh possibly uh, hunting specs in northern california yeah because uh you know they got like a 10 yeah a very liberal limit there yeah and they do they do a conservation season for speckle bellies really yeah so yeah. like the way we're doing snow yeah. geese but i don't think everybody and their mother is coming going to california to chase them like they do here right now it gets intense man yeah uh it's just even this year it ramped up so much more um oh with specs mm-hmm. oh my yeah 
dude yeah it's and, uh, uh you know some of that had to do with the weather too because we were so dry to start out so with some dry. people didn't even mess with trying to you know well you public wise you didn't have a whole lot of options mm-hmm. but yeah like having the tap room here now um you're like you sit there, like you become busier sooner and stay busier later you know for the duck season and mm-hmm. that's because of goose hunters you know speck and and snow goose you know it's like you kind of think everything's just going to kind of die down after january but like even this year it's like man there's still a lot of people in town you know probably all the way to about beginning of march yeah uh yeah that's wild man you really you really do probably get to keep your your finger on the pulse of waterfowling like especially here man because you got people coming from all over the world Mm -hmm. that are coming through these doors right uh well, shoot, man! What uh, if folks want to keep up with you or or send me vinyl records? Yeah, send you vinyl or see what <laughs> see what sort of beer you're drinking and vinyl records you're playing on the weekends. Uh, how would they how would they follow you or get a hold man, of you? Man, um, I'll go ahead and apologize in advance, but um, probably panic button at panic button on IG. That's kind of the my main and only social that I care about. Um, yeah. Panic button. Some people don't even know me on name. They just call me Panic, or they call me Panic Button. Yeah, I didn't know your name for a long time. Yeah. I just knew it was Panic Button. Yeah, like I mean, and then some people who do know my name, like Lee Joe, he just calls me Panic. I mean, like oh, I, yeah. for once, I just want to hear him say Blake. But nice shot, Blake. But uh, yeah, Panic. Which I don't. I mean, that's fine. I'm, I've been called a lot worse. Hey man. Uh, and also, Ben, I would say like follow anything r&t so like all i'm i'm sitting in here right now man like the john stevens call shop signs right the the pint glasses the uh the coasters right like the box designs for r&t those illustrations yeah yeah i mean that's my photography over there too (laughs) he does have a lot of my stuff in here yeah man you're doing you're doing everything man like i yeah you're uh you're aesthetic and you're your influence is like all over this place. I've always joked about the fact that like I make trash for a living, you know, cause forever. I mean, like that's what I did. Like all my stuff was print media, you know, everything I made, I make packaging or I make catalogs or I make whatever paper product that someone's going to get and throw away. Um, but um, maybe not so much a call box. You know, people tend to keep those. But mm-hmm. still, at some point, it's going to hit a landfill somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, hell, haven't you had – you've had people, like, tattoo your designs on them, haven't you? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm like – people ask, hey, I'm like, I mean, if you <laughs> if you want to put it on you, then go ahead. Like, I don't ha- I have one tattoo um, just because I've never – made anything that i want to have on me for uh, i used to say that now i'm kind of like man i would i want that i would do that but that dude's in north new, new mexico and i'm not flying out there to get on a waiting list to get a tattoo from him but anyway at one point i know we're trying to wrap this up no no you're at, fine, at one point um i had so i worked with a guy for 10 years when i was doing when i was the um, designer at this color house um, and he had moved on and bought a tattoo shop in Little Rock 
and he didn't even have any tattoos. There was a tattoo on Main Street down by the uh, Army Surplus store. So Robert walked down there and um, just at lunch and just watched and check it out. And he was a talented artist, airbrusher. Um, anyway, um, and he got an interest. He's like, man, I don't see, I don't see my future here, but I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. Well, he bought a little tattoo shop that turned into Seventh Street Tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah which is and. Right, he was always on me. He's like, man, you need to come and apprentice, you know, and just like let let's let us teach you how to tattoo. And um, at the time, this is like early two thousand. This is about the same time John's got me super busy. Sure. And I'm like, you know, like I'm kind of ha- I'm happy doing what I'm doing, you know, and I'm busy and I don't know when I'd have time. And I look back and you know, and that's and then tattoos just blew up. Yeah. But I was like, uh, man, maybe I should have. Maybe I should at least put that skill in my hat, you know, like some of this other stuff I do. Um, Hell, if you want to do, you got, I guarantee you get an apprenticeship someplace, yeah. man. You can pick it up. I could probably still get one with Robert. It's, uh, you know, man, one of the coolest guys I know that's like really carved out like a really cool life for himself is this guy named Drew Wilson. Do you know that dude at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. That does the fish tattoos, the trout and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got uh, – this I've stuff's got, super cool. I've got plenty of Drew tattoos, man. Yeah. I've known that guy since he was like this eighteen-year-old yeah. skater kid, right in Conway, yeah. right? Uh, man, I love all his merch. His he all his slaps and stuff. He does some cool dude, stuff. Dude, he's super cool and super smart. Uh, me and my wife were in, we were uh, we were in Bozeman doing the Sitka thing. Uh, oh, that's right. That, that, yeah, he, he was. I noticed. So I keep up with him too. He was up there doing his. He was fishing and, and tattooing and getting man. sessions when and, that uh, yeah. when the, when that when Sitka did their store yeah, right and yeah. like and Jim and uh, John and Andrew yeah. and stuff were up there. That, that, someone lost my invite to that. I asked them. I said, "Where's Blake?" Yeah. They said, "Man, someone's got to keep working." They come back. That's they said. <laughs> man, everybody asked about you. And I was like, "Yeah," except for the people who said, <laughs> "Come on out." But no, man. I we ended up one morning. Uh, we went from Bozeman to Missoula, and we ended up one morning because they have this like. Uh, Drew and his his girlfriend uh, Katie, they had this. They still have this really cool airstream mm-hmm. that was parked in front of their friend's house. Man, and we like went over there and uh, it's like all boho style inside, and we yeah. were like eating cinnamon rolls. It was, I mean, it's super cool, yeah. man. They're coming back. They're uh, they're fixing to move back to Arkansas. Cool. Uh, so I got to link up with him. I need, I want to get him on the podcast. And uh, uh, Marianne is she actually just went last weekend and did this fly fishing thing. She's been kind of wanting to do that. And so I think she's going to link up with Katie and start fly fishing. I just, I don't, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't do fly fishing. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I got burned out as a kid of any type of fishing because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, I'm telling you it was a chore. Um, although I look back now and go like, well, I mean, I got to, I got to see a lot of cool stuff doing that with my dad, you know, yeah. like going like being his observer at tournaments and being in the boat with like Mark Davis and all these big name folks. But um, uh, fly fishing is it's always, it's always kind of intrigued me because it's it's not like you know it's a different form of fishing, you know, and it's um, you know, you fly. You, we had we used to, to do uh, tie flying classes here in the tap room, um. And that's kind of like, oh, wow, check this, you know, you're catching, you're making something that's little bitty, you know, and then they make those big mouse, whatever, you know, it's just yeah, like, yeah, you know, the top waters. Yeah. So, but, I, I've, but I've never taken the, I've never gone, you know, I've never like, 
I, I guess I get selfish with the time and the way I want to spend it. Sure. And that's not one of the things I want to add into the, the onto the family calendar is Blake's fly. <laughs> Learn how to fly fish this weekend, trying it out. That's really my whole thing with it. I mean, there was definitely a time when I was kind of, uh, you know, I was just really just being an asshole, being like, they think they're better than other people, right? Like, man, I'm, I'm out here, uh, duck hunting wearing like high dollar duck gear i I can't say that to anybody right right? yeah but uh really what it is man is i just it's just not an expenditure of energy or effort that i can i mean that's something that people get fanatical about Mm -hmm. right yeah i've been i've been chasing waterfowl like so hard and uh now i've really like i got bit last year uh pretty hard with that turkey bug yeah and uh I mean, dude, I think I've got like a pretty charmed life, man. Like just chasing these birds. I, uh, I, I mean, if Marianne wants to have that, man, like I'm gonna right, let her have yeah. it, and uh, yeah, we can have a we'll we can put have it a good in the freezer. Yeah, man, hell, just, man, it's a dude going to those uh, those trout rivers is a cool thing in like July because it's so much cooler. Mm-hmm. You know those dam controlled yeah. rivers, man. Yeah. It's like 40 degrees cooler in the morning next to those rivers. Yeah. Uh, so and it's pretty stuff, man. I just. It, it, it that might be something i just need to watch the kids and let i would do. like to f- photograph some you know I, I like to i'd like to take some pictures you know go on some fly fishing trips just to try to document it you know what i mean i think that'd be cool because you see all these great pictures of oh you know, yeah it's beautiful you know, stuff yeah. man like man i want to try to get some of those shots dude i should when he gets back man i'll introduce you to drew yeah. man you, yeah. you guys would like each other man uh and yeah come because we're definitely going to go hang out with them and uh fish dude you know he's got this new uh i promise we're gonna wrap this up but he's got this <laughs> new like youtube show he's working real hard on called uh fishing for tattoos where he like takes somebody he takes somebody fly fishing and then whatever they catch he tattoos on them oh cool that might be that would be yeah. a cool thing man uh but anyway yes yeah, so uh panic button on instagram anything rnt call related you're gonna see blake's work and uh RN TV. It's RN TV. RN dash V. I mean, um, and you can find that on the Sportsman's channel, which is, I mean, it's on Direct and Dish, and um, it, you can stream it on MOTV. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, you know paid pres- uh, subscription, but um, and that will show. Uh, it should show up to last season, and that's like uh, you could you could binge that if you wanted to <laughs> I mean, you can you can watch me go from uh not so fat to fatter to short beard to gray hair beard no hair um probably i mean i'm sure i'll pop up every now and then on there yeah we didn't even talk about that man like your beard is probably a very recognizable feature mm-hmm. people have seen uh yeah man it makes my beard look like I'm an insurance salesman or something, man. <laughs> um, Mine makes me look like I'm a dirty Santa Claus. Hey, hey man, everybody likes Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I'll put out there, man. Since you guys are, I mean, like right now while we're recording this, there's there's lots of ladies out here. They're doing like this, you know, have a drink and paint something kind of class here. They use a they use the fly uh, or the the flying duck tap room for all these different events. You know, it would be cool, man. I'm gonna throw this out here. Yeah. Uh, we're always looking for something 
Dude, you should do an art show here sometime. Yeah, well, that would be cool. Like really? all your, like pick out your favorite stuff from over the years, man, and like do some prints, man, yeah. and do like an art show. Your stuff. Well, John's been after me. I mean, when we were building the storefront here, he was like, "Man, you you want a wall, or you can just hang hang and sell some of your prints." Um, and I'm like, I'm just never have done it. I'm not. I don't know. Call me lazy or dumb, but I just and, and then I'm too. I'm like somebody want to buy my i i guess they would i mean hell yeah they'd yeah, buy it, man yeah i mean there are some things like i think they sell that print of some of john's collection it's sold up there but yeah i mean yeah but that would be cool i mean maybe to have um i mean don't you have a, just, don't you have a bunch of like screened band posters in your house uh i got dude i have portfolios full i I'm, that was one of them i haven't bought any gig posters well yeah, I hadn't. I, I don't do it like I used to, but I have tubes in portfolios full of posters, but I have hardly anything framed hanging on the wall. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know why. Well, because it's expensive to frame art. Yeah, 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 it is. But it, yeah, besides that, was I've always collected something, you know, um, and posters are one of them for a while. But yeah, records have definitely taken over anything else well man i'm just thinking i'm just like i keep looking at this john stevens deal man like if you did just anything that you did man and you did some of those cool uh like good quality acid-free paper man like multicolor screens and just like you know numbered them and signed them people would be yeah. all about that that'd be cool to have in a duck camp yeah i'd get one and put it up in black duck man all right might come i come with something i um I, there, there, I do make there are like i have all these ideas in my head i just don't ever get them out or put them like don't even put them into action i guess like these like you know yeah all, dude i was thinking about that man yeah. and that would so, look awesome man because that's totally like woodstock inspired mm -hmm. right uh is, is it not or yeah, yeah it, well it, it, that's what it evokes to me man so like i want to do this whole series of hand gestures with different species of ducks or waterfowl yeah yeah um kind of emoji i guess inspired and maybe like a few craft beers inspired but um i'll show you i mean nobody wants to hear me talk about something they can't see but yeah um i like your idea that the art show though no, that'd be Maybe awesome, not man. just me. I mean, just leave mine hanging so people can buy it. But like, maybe have some other people's stuff. No, man, you've you've gotten to the point. You could have your you could have your own mm -hmm. show here, man. Like, and and people would be into it. And uh, yeah, man, I I definitely think you've earned it, man. Uh, can I have these stickers? Yeah, I, I, yeah, those are yours. Sweet, man. Uh, all right, well, yeah, uh, Blake, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. This is my first podcast ever, I think. Pretty sure. I've turned a lot of people down, but. Oh, well, hey, man. I'm, I'm glad you said yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. All right, bud. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. See you all next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Black Duck Revival podcast. As always, as always, it's produced by me, Jonathan Wilkins, and Brian Sachs. Next week will be the start of my Western U.S. Turkey Tour. That's going to see me 
spending about a week or so in California at a couple different locations, then moving on up to Oregon and some different locations there, be hunting wine country, Northern California, the Central Valley in Oregon, hopefully Eastern Oregon as well, doing a combination of public and private land hunts, a lot of them with my uh, good buddy Jimmy from Hunters of Color, which is a fantastic nonprofit. If you haven't checked them out, please do. After that, I'll be making my way over to Missoula, Montana, where I will be participating in some roundtable discussions with the likes of Hunters of Color, uh, Rue Matt from Outdoor Afro, and then I'll also be giving a waterfowl seminar there at the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous. So if you're in the area, please stop by. If you're at Rendezvous, please show up to the seminar so I look like I got a little bit of street cred. If you want to follow along with me and see what's happening on that turkey tour, like I said, it's going to start next week. That's uh, last week of April. Just follow me on Instagram. That's Black Duck Revival. Or you can follow me over at the website, and that's going to be blackduckrevival.com. That has all the information about hunts, uh, fishing trips, and uh, lots of articles and stuff that I've written if you want to do kind of a deep dive into Black Duck Revival and what I'm up to. Also, Today, I just saw that Sitka Gear uh, just released an article, a turkey hunting article that I wrote for him. And if you'd like to check that out, all you got to do is go over to the uh, Sitka Gear website and click on the Experiences tab. And I think it's the, uh, the top story right now. If you have any comments, questions, feel free to send me an email at blackduckrevival at gmail or send me a DM over there on Instagram. Sometimes my social media DM box can be kind of a black hole, so it might take me a few days to get back to you, but I uh, almost always respond. So uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Until next time.